Welcome to WTTS In Conversation. I'm Matt Pelser. Whenever I do these interviews, I try to really get somewhere with whoever I'm talking to, you know, really connect and find something that they want to talk about or feel strongly about. And it's all too easy for that to kind of go in a negative direction. That's not what I'm about. There's enough of that going on right now. But you need the darkness to appreciate the light, right? Well, Ani DeFranco and I danced in and out of both in this conversation, but I left feeling so wonderful having shared 20 plus minutes on the phone with an artist who I have personally admired for two decades, one who's been putting out albums for more than three herself. And sometimes when they've been at it for that long, they've figured out how to build that shell around themselves and, and not go too deep with some radio guy calling them up on a Thursday afternoon. But Ani was here for it, and I'm so thankful for that. We talked about the title track to the new album, Revolutionary Love, and after we did, she shared some poignant, in-the-moment type reflection on just what that song means or can mean to the world, and I got to tell her my Ani DeFranco origin story, which I think she appreciated. She plays with Jenny Lewis on Friday, August 5th at Holiday Park, part of the Rock the Ruins Summer Concert Series, and this talk was everything I hoped it would be. Let's hear it. Ani DeFranco, what a pleasure it is to talk with you. Oh, thanks, Matt. Nice to talk to you, too. Um, you're playing Rock the Ruins, the summer concert series at Holiday Park with Jenny Lewis on August 5th. How have these shows gone so far? Awesome. Yeah? I mean, yeah, I, I it was a lot to achieve escape velocity after <laughs> being home, you know, like grounded for most of the pandemic. Um, and I thought, oh my God, am I even a musician anymore? The <laughs> touring life of 30 years seemed kind of like a dream, you know. But as soon as I got out there, I was like, oh, yes, I am a musician. And I love my job. And being out there, engaging with people feels so much better than being home right now, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean... You've been out in a big way. I, mean, I looked at, I've been looking at your set list. So you did three encores at the Fillmore last month. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was yeah. that? A, was that the venue? Was that the city? Do you have a particularly fervent following in San Francisco? Well, you know, I mean, part of it is just that you know the feeling is mutual. You know that myself and my audience, we haven't seen each other in a while. You yeah. know. And um, it feels really good to get together and share those moments um, and sort of lift each other up and give each other hope and all of that that happens. So uh, and also, you know, I had I have these new sound engineers that I'm working with and the fellow that was front of house doing front of house sound, you know, usually I come out for an encore and I'll play two songs and then I'll go away and that's really it. And the, and the, uh, you know, the engineer puts on the house music, you know, and the lights come up and it tells the audience we're done. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, this new guy, he just didn't turn on the house music. So the audience <laughs> was like, Oh, we got her now. We got her. So <laughs> it's, 
if they kept calling me back and um eventually you know like my team is like radio all on the radio turn on the music <laughs> well <laughs> God, so we oh, obviously you were prepared you came out and you did the one more uh, after the third encore but after that you're like are, are we gonna are we gonna be done at some point did you panic at all like thinking i do i have anything right now i mean yeah, it all depends well, on rehearsal <laughs> I do have 22 albums worth of songs, so of I probably could have gone all night. But the funny thing about that day is I did two gigs that day. We we did another gig outside in the afternoon. It was a crazy day um, for me and the crew. So, And it had been already a sort of exhausting tour in general, and my voice was a little strange. So after the whatever it was, third or fourth encore, I was like, dude, <laughs> turn on the music. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about this new record, Revolutionary Love. I, I just adore it. But uh, before oh. we do that, uh, I'd like to share my Ani DeFranco origin story. Would, would you like to hear it? Because I think it's a good one. Yes, of course. <laughs> so um, spring of 03, I'm hanging out at the student radio station at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, WCRD. We had a music director at the time named Kelly, and I just thought she was so cool. She had tattoos and piercings, and, and at that time, that wasn't as common as it is now, but it was becoming more Ooh. common. So she she wasn't really an outcast type, but she had this great taste, and Ooh. I followed her recommendations on more than one occasion, and she opened up a package. And this was so out of character of her. She squealed. I'd never heard her do such a thing. <laughs> she liked to play it cool. So, of course, the, the two or three of us who were in there at the time, we asked her what was up. And she said, the new Ani DeFranco album came in. This was Evolve, of course. <laughs> and I hadn't heard of you yet. I was only 19 at the time. But I trusted her opinions. <laughs> and I asked her if I could borrow it once she, once she ripped it in, you know, whatever she wanted to add. And, and she said, not until I've had a chance to listen to it. So couple weeks went by and she was true to her word she wanted to evangelize the the message of Ani DeFranco and so she dropped it in my mailbox and I listened to it and I listened to it and I listened to it and that thing was in regular rotation in my car my dorm room everywhere for a good six months and I've come back to it a few times since then but it also made me check out the rest of your catalog and so I've loved everything I've heard since then so I just thought you might want to hear that um started with Evolve <laughs> yeah i love that i love that story i love all the stories of i mean anything that somebody offers as to how my music you know connected with their lives and it's such a gift for me to hear you know the the story of my babies going out <laughs> into the world and making friends you know um but but also the, the angle of your story of like uh, a male human being who respects and values a female in their world, in their sphere and, and opens themselves up to their perspective and their, their recommendation for music, for instance, you know, and you're opening yourself up to my voice uh, that comes through my songs. And all of that is, is really beautiful. And it, it, I mean, it sounds silly for me to be saying this in one way, right? But but if you look at the world, it's just not, I don't think it's still the majority even mm. maybe of masculine people who are all the way there yet in terms of really relating to women 
as equals, as fully sentient human beings, being able to sort of do that little bit of translation that it takes maybe to hear a woman singing and put yourself in the song, you know, but of course this is the kind of thing that women have done since time immortal, you know, in a sort of male dominated culture, it's, it's absolutely positive possible to relate to people of different makes and models. So to, to hear a story of a young man who just goes there, you know, doesn't need, doesn't need their handheld, doesn't need to take a course on feminism (laughs) can just look at a woman and go, okay, yeah. Tell me what's up. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I hear all of that. I do. Um, and, and I can see where you're coming from, where that's concerned, but I do think that a lot of those bad stories of men being the way that they are portrayed to be nowadays, I do think a lot of that is in the minority. I, I really, I, I have to believe in the good of people and in the mutual respect that people have with other people, regardless of their sex or gender. And I, I do think a lot of the bad is getting a lot of attention lately. And, and for, for good reason, because we need to point that stuff out when it happens. But I also think that, that there's a lot of good worth celebrating that isn't being celebrated. Um, I, you know what, Matt? Thank you for saying that. I agree. I agree. I do. I agree with you that the majority of people are really loving and mutually respectful and are capable of being open and inclusive with each other. I, I, it's just, yes, exactly. It's that minority that has so much power right now well, in our Anytime you say anytime you say something outrageous, you're going to get attention, and that's the problem that we're in right now. You know. Yeah. 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 I I do have a question about evolve though. So this was and 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 you you brought up your voice and and the voice of my friend Kelly who who recommended the album, but the voice I think is what struck me about it. And you had been nominated for three Grammys prior to that album, three in a row actually, uh, for your vocal performance, and that was what made me fall in love with your music. Was uh, initially your voice, and then just as I became kind of a student of music, just hearing the different things that you do with it that made me feel different things. Just the music, not even your performance, but just the way you back it up. So, um, evolve one of your bigger commercial successes, and and um, it was evolve that got. A Grammy. I mean, it got best record package, so not even for the music, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. and it wins the Grammy. Um, that Grammy, of course, goes to the art director, not to you. I get mixed reactions when I ask about Grammys from artists who have won or have at least been mm-hmm. nominated. How did that make you feel at the time? I'm sure you were happy to be recognized for anything, but was it strange to be recognized for something other than your music? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's an ongoing strangeness, actually, because. I don't know. People put a lot of stock in Grammys. Yeah. The word Grammy has a lot of weight with people. And so to this day, I'm introduced by people who give such things weight, which were there everywhere. You know, Grammy award winning artists, blah, blah. And of course it's for the graphics, (laughs) as you say (laughs) on my record. Yeah. um, And Hey, you know, that's not illegitimate. I used to, you know, back when it was CDs um, and physical product was still kind of the emphasis. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time and my own creativity went into these album packages. Like Evolve was an immensely expensive package. (laughs) And I don't know why I put so much into the physical package of albums, but I 
I sort of, you know, I, I was in art school when I was younger. I love to draw and to paint and, and I'm a visually oriented person as well. You know, I think a lot of artists are not just one trick ponies. Um, and so, yeah, the album package was always part of the art for me. So the fact that we were recognized for that and I was, it was always very collaborative between me and the, so I think I might've actually gotten a Grammy personally for being the co, you know, person who created that package. Ah, but, gotcha. but yeah, it's kind of funny. Grammy award winning <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, like all things, music industry, it's, it's very much skewed you know, to the power players, you know, not the outsiders. So, and, and, and you see the history of the Grammys, you know, I mean, Bob Dylan, even who could be more canonized, right. In American music culture at mm. this point, but his first Grammy was 30 years into his career or what, you know, oftentimes I think for somebody like me, you have to, you know, maybe when I'm old, they'll give me the <laughs> the Grammy for something just to say that they did, you know? <laughs> because I was never kind of an industry insider supported by major labels and which are is sort of uh, where it skews, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we could we could go there. My gosh, you know, you, you, Righteous Babe. We could talk about Righteous Babe and all the artists that you've got on there, and and mm. the the Prince connection. But I I also want to talk. I I got to talk about this new one, Revolutionary Love. There's so much poignant social commentary from beginning to end, and the mm. title track is mm. that first track and that first lyric. Um, I will tend my anger. What a great way to start. It kind of sets a tone, and I'm sure that that was intentional. Yeah, on 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 a bunch of levels, really. I mean, I did the the sort of origin story of that track. Um, my friend Valerie Core, who is a civil rights activist, writer, filmmaker, lawyer, she sort of commissioned that song oh. from me. She actually wanted me to write her a whole album. <laughs> she, not, <laughs> she is not shy, this woman. That's how she gets so much done. And she said, Ani, you know, sh sh I need songs. I need songs to help me in my work and my crusade. And I said, yes, ma'am. Okay. And I actually wrote her three songs. Uh, I managed to pen three songs sort of, supporting her work and her talking points about revolutionary love and what it is and how you do it. And um, that song, Revolutionary Love, was one of them. And after writing it, I just felt like this is my anthem, <laughs> not just yours. This, yeah. is, this is exactly what I've been trying to do for 30 years. And it sort of became my mantra. And so I called her up and I said, can I put this on my record too? Because, <laughs> you know, it's just here we are, you know, our, our, our missions on the planet are so kindred in our life's work, but I am doing it through music and art. And so, yeah, just more resonance. I, it sort of became the, the sort of epicenter of my new record. And it, it, it became the song that, you know, I always title a record after the song that speaks to all the other songs, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, it's so it's so funny that you that you compared it to a mantra. And uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, and that you said, I'm going to have this for my album. And then it became the title of the album. Um, and yeah. because it came at me like a pep talk to yourself, like, like yeah. you were, yeah, you see yeah. it that way then. Absolutely. I mean, revolutionary love. I think I've been out there trying to do it for 30 years and I'm still trying. I'm still trying. I'm still a student, you know, um, and I need a pep talk every morning as much as anybody you know, about what is the right place, what is the right stance when I'm facing not just my mirror and or my community, but my opponents, you know, how can I approach people who outrage me Mm -hmm. with something other than outrage or anger or judgment? How can I try to do that incredibly humble work of staying curious of staying compassionate with my opponents you know these are things that i still have to very much pep talk myself to trying to do every day you know so yeah it's a song that helps ground me and hopefully can be useful for others but that's that's been my life in music is just trying to get myself to the place I need to be, you know, by singing my way there. And then, you know, the the byproduct of that being useful for others is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is always just trying to get to square one myself. Well, it it was definitely useful. I mean, it it really I mean, coming out the gate with that song. Like I said, it sets the tone. I'm glad to hear that it's been sort of a, a, a lifelong journey or a career long journey at the very least to get to that song. And, mm. you know, you can, when you, when you hear a song and, and what I love about your songs is they can be interpreted. A lot of them can be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, mm. And so when I heard that, I started to think, you know, it made me think, which is good. And it made me think there is a need for a revolutionary kind of love. And I hear you when you're talking about your critics and your opponents and, 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 and people who, who outrage you. And we are, we we're all outraged by something, but in order to get through to them or really, or really anybody, but especially them, you got to start with love and that's a revolutionary kind of thing. Have you looked at it that way? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's the, that's, I don't know if, you know, my mind flashes to various moments in my life and experience that I uphold, you know, as, as goals, right. That, that motivate me, that inspire Uh, my mind just flashed while you were talking. Do you remember when this young man, a white supremacist raised as a white supremacist went and shot people in the AME church in, in South Carolina. um, And yeah. Right. So nine, incredibly loving peaceful awesome people lost their lives in this church i remember this the shooter watching a a, a woman who had lost several loved ones near and dear her son her only son was shot by this young man and her aunt or you know she had two people in that room including her only child. Okay, so I watched that woman confront the shooter, 
but not <laughs> confront is not the right word. I watched her speak to him as a human being and try to connect with him and make him understand his actions and the result. I watched her speak to him as a human being, which just was so humbling to me. The reasons that we find in our society now to cancel each other <laughs> are so very many. You know, we get offended by each other and we, for all intents and purposes, kick each other off of our own personal planets for not being aligned in every way at all times. And, and I look at this woman and what she's suffering and what she's lost and how she had the strength of character, the revolution, the power of revolutionary love in her to even see this person as not a monster, but a very fallible human being, a young man who has a lot to learn and to speak with to him, to, to find that amount of respect, to speak directly to him and to try and communicate to him and help him learn. It's just mind-blowing. You know, I do work with people in prison. I do criminal justice work. And I have now friends who have committed horrible crimes in the past, who have committed violent acts. That doesn't mean that they are not human beings who have value and who are able to learn and transform themselves. And I know people who are personally, who are completely transformed from the people who committed those violent acts. And if I can know them and appreciate them and their ability to, to evolve, who else can I do that with, you know? And so I think if all of us can sort of try to keep this perspective that even people who offend us, even people who, who do actions which are harmful in our perspective or who we find so hard to understand or respect, the pursuit of truly understanding them and, and finding that common ground and making space for us to evolve and come together and learn from each other that's the most important work. It's a revolutionary kind of love, Ani. I thank you for sharing that with me. Um, well, I can't wait until August 5th to see you at Holiday Park for the Rock the Ruin Summer Concert Series. Jenny Lewis is going to be great, too. Yeah. Ani, thank you for the new music. Thank you for your time today, and um, we'll see you then. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for Seriously, like just the way I was going on just then about something that I feel deeply and you're just holding that space is a rare thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ani. And thanks for listening. This has been WTTS In Conversation. Subscribe to this podcast and find more at WTTSFM.com, where you can also stream us. I'm on the radio every weekday morning. Follow WTTS on socials at WTTSFM. I'm at Matt Pelser Radio. Give me a follow. I'll follow you back if you want me to. Back again in a couple weeks. Talk to you then. <laughs>